We will not enter Khazad Doom. You will not enter Khazad Doom. Only I have looked through the shadow of the gate. Beyond the shadow, it waits for you still. Durin's bane. The world must change, and some other power than ours must come before Durin's folk walk again in Moria. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, what up? Welcome back. This is Keep On Talking. This is Joel N. This is Danny J. And we are back with part two about the dwarves of Tolkien. Yes, yes. The Chazad, as they call themselves. The Naugrim, or the stunted folks. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Joel came to me the other day, and he was like, I don't think I'm going to call them the Naugrim anymore. And I was like, why? Because it's a slur? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, it's called the stunted... Pe- it's, it's the Cinderin for the stunted people. It is kind of a slur. It's a little bit of a slur. They use it a lot, though, in the first stage. People used words back in the day that aren't acceptable anymore, Joel. Naugrim being one of them. So the Chazad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so last episode in part one, when we left you off about with the uh, with the Chazad... Uh, we had just finished off the first stage, and uh, the dwarven kingdoms of Nagrod and Belagost were destroyed. And we had the uh, refugees of those kingdoms traveling east into Khazad-dûm. Yeah, and also in that last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, the origin of the dwarves, uh, where they come from, who their maker is, and then we we got into Kuzdal a little bit as well, the language. Yeah, and a little bit of their sign language, the Iglishmek. Iglishmek. A little bit about the culture of the dwarves and uh, kind of what they're about and how they liked to dress. Yeah, all kinds of fun stuff, guys. So now we're just going to keep on trucking through. We're going to go to the dwarves in the Second Age, see what they do get up to in the Second Age. So like we mentioned, the refugees from Belagost and Nagrod are added to the population of Khazad-dûm. And because of that, the wealth of Khazad-dûm is just enriched, especially with the recent discovery of Mithril which is a sort of magical earth substance that's extremely valuable. It's like a a metallic substance. Light as a feather, but hard as dragon scales. (laughs) Hell yeah. Super valuable. It's only found in Khazad-dûm as well. So the dwarves continue to trade at this time with uh, the neighboring men and elves of Erigian. So this is during the Second Age when we've got the North Kingdom is going on right now, I believe. Right, yeah, yeah, no. or yes, is it? I I believe so. This might be before the Northern Kingdom. What's the year? Let's see. I say sixteen I'm pretty sure that's before. Oh, perhaps it's before. So these are indigenous folks. So this is around the time when the seven dwarf ring pow- rings of power were forged by Celebrimbor, and then later given through Sauron to the seven dwarf clans. And amongst the dwarves, amongst the Longbeards, they maintain that. Durin's ring was actually given to him by Celebrimbor directly. Yeah, but they don't. They don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to believe. <laughs> but yeah. it's not. It's not officially said either way, which is true. I think that was one of those points that Tolkien was editing that he never quite settled on. Mm-hmm. 
The Dwarves of Moria actually did fight in the War of Sauron and the Elves, but in the year SA 1697, they shut the doors of Khazadum, and the inhabitants no longer ventured out into the world. Yeah, because this is when Sauron was becoming a real big problem. Yeah, because he had basically con- uh, conquered all the land around Khazadum. So yeah, this is when his reign was, what, as big as it's ever been, right, in Middle-earth? Yeah, this is when he's at the height. This is before the Numenorians sail over to help. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, so this is... M- much earlier than the Northern Kingdom. This is in the age of Numenor still. So that's also when uh, Khazad-dûm gained its new name of Moria, which is Sindarin for the Dark Chasm or the Dark Pit, because that's more or less what it was to everyone else, because nothing ever really came out of there. So in 3429 of the Second Age, the Last Alliance was formed, and we've talked about this in a few episodes now. We've more mentioned it. Yeah, we've mentioned it, and uh, we are... For season three, guys, we do have a planned uh, episode planned for The Last Alliance. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it then. So, I think it's going to be super epic, too. Yeah. So, again, now we're not going to get much into it. But here's a little thing of what the dwarves did. Yeah, because the dwarves were involved in The Last Alliance. And I, I think in a previous episode we had stated that they yeah. were not. Yeah, we did. And we have to correct that. We are here to correct ourselves. We are here to redact that statement. <laughs> The dwarves were involved in the last alliance. I apologize for any inconvenience this misinformation may have caused here. <laughs> it's just that there really isn't much known about what they did in the last alliance. No, just that they were there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's all that it was. Because um, so, the whole the last alliance saga is a years long endeavor. You know? Right. There's like years of people meeting people and building forces and and all sorts of stuff. And then the siege the was what se- seven yeah, years. Seven year long siege of Baradur. Yeah. So in the Second Age, year 3434, that is when the troops of Durin IV in Khazad-dûm met up with the rest of the Alliance. The, the dwarves of Khazad-dûm sent 50,000 dwarven troops to join the Alliance. Yeah. That's a huge chunk of troops. Yeah, that's a lot of dwarves. Especially for not having really information on what those 50,000 dwarven troops did. Yeah. The last alliance uh, proper was comprised of elves of Lindon. That was they were led by Gilgalad and Círdan the Shipwright. That's right. The uh, the Dúnedain of Arnor, led by Elendil. The elves of Imladris, they were led by uh, by by Rivendell, by Elrond. Imladris being Rivendell. Uh, the dwarves of Khazad-dûm, led by Durin the Fourth. The elves of the Greenwood the Great, led by Orifer, who is Thranduil's father. Uh, the elves of Lothlorien, led by Amdir. And then we had some Dúnedain of Gondor, led by Anarion. They were the last ones to meet up with the uh, the overall alliance. Yeah, the War of the Last Alliance lasted from 3429 Second Age to 3441 Second Age. So that's, uh, that's what, 12 years? Yeah, that's 12 years. That's a long time. Yeah, so like we said, the, all that's known is that they were part of the Last Alliance. We really don't have any other information about that. Yeah, they were there and they helped. So after the Last Alliance, uh, post-Second Age, after the fall of Numenor and such, the Dwarves of Moria continued to prosper until the year 1980 of the Third Age. Uh, This is when they've been pursuing Mithril for a very long time, and they've been delving particularly deep. And they've been pursuing a certain vein of Mithril that took them very deep down in in the the pits of Moria. And they opened a chamber containing an ancient Balrog of Morgoth. Yeah. We've talked about Balrogs in previous episodes. They are not fun to deal with. No. No. 
No, this is a motherfucker. Leftover from uh, either the fall of Angban or Utumno. I'm not really sure if it stated which one he came from. Yeah, either way, it's not good. Yes, yeah, so we got like a, a demon Maiar here. And it's a really big problem for them. Uh, because, I mean, Khazad-dûm, when they locked it up during uh, Sauron's initial reign, you know, when he was really gaining a lot of ground, they just locked the doors and there was no way that even Sauron could really get in to get them. Oh, yeah. They were locked in Khazad Doom. The only way that the place could have fallen was from within, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they did. That's exactly what happened. So they battled against the Balrog for over a year, and uh, there was two kings that were killed in this time. They all the ones who were not killed, they fled from the Misty Mountains and they left. Yeah, the 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 Balrog straight up just cleared out Moria completely, and this is when the Balrog was given the name Durin's Bane because. Durin was one of the two kings that was killed. I think it was Durin the Third and his son. For almost two decades, the refugees of Moria had no kingdom. And until the year 1999, tonight we're gonna party like it's T.A. 1999. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Thrain the First founded the kingdom of Erebor in the Lonely Mountain. And that was when they came across the great jewel known as the Arkenstone. And that became an heirloom of Durin's folk forevermore so in the third age year 2210 uh, that's when thorin the first founded the kingdom in the gray mountains in the north of it's uh, just to the north of mirkwood both kingdoms erebor and this new kingdom in the gray mountains prospered for centuries until they were eventually both consumed by dragons and this is when we get into some really epic Dwarven history. Some dwarf shit, guys. This is some of the stuff that I've been super excited to, to talk about and tell people about. This is this is going to be some epic shit. This is why this is the season finale, guys. This is why. <laughs> so that kingdom in the Grey Mountains, uh, I wasn't very familiar with it, and I assume there are probably going to be other people that aren't as familiar with this kingdom of the dwarves in the Grey Mountains. And that's because of what happened next. So the the dwarves originally started settling up in the Grey Mountains because it was pretty far to the north. No one had really started mining them for resources. So they, they went up there and they were just getting riches and riches and they just had so much treasure. And that appealed to whom other but the dragons, right? Yeah, they like that shit. So that led up to what's called the War of the Dwarves and Dragons. Yeah. Epic. Cue some heavy metal guitars. <laughs> so that was a conflict between Durin's folk specifically and the dragons of the Grey Mountains from the years 2570 to around 2589. So it, it was a conflict that lasted a long time. So following the defeat of Morgoth in the War of Wrath, a lot of the dragons from Angban were still left in Middle-earth. And many of those dragons resided uh, up north in the Forwardwaith, and that gave them the space to multiply and become strong. Yeah. Bad news bears, guys. Yeah. When they say Smaug was like the last dragon in Middle-earth, that was... I, for whatever reason, I, I thought that that was the case, and I feel like I've, I've read that multiple places, but that's definitely not true. Yeah, no, there had to have been other dragons still around. Yeah, he was one of a brood when, yeah. he, when he came down to the Lonely Mountain in the first place. Yeah, maybe he's the only one in, like, Rovanian, maybe. Like, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. But apparently there are still a ton of dragons up north in the Forodway. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the year 2570 of the Third Age, this is when the dragons first made war on the dwarves of the Grey Mountains, sacking and plundering all of their halls, getting all that treasure. The dwarves held out for around 20 years, but finally, in 2589, 
the dragons attacked the halls of King Dane I. King Dane and his second son, Fror, were killed by a cold drake, which I didn't even know there were cold drakes. I assume, I guess, why not? Yeah, why not? I didn't know that Tolkien had officially written cold drakes into his legendarium either, so that was yeah. news to me. It's also just really sad. Apparently they were killed right outside the, the doors of their keep. Ouch. Yeah, so it was, it was sad. And following the death of the king, most of Durin's folk abandoned the Grey Mountains, never to come back again. Yeah, the dragons, the dragons got the Grey Mountains. After that, Gandalf describes the Grey Mountains as, quote, simply stiff with goblins, hobgoblins, and orcs of the worst description. So the Grey Mountains just sound like a real shitty place after that. Not a fun place. In uh, TA-2590, King Thror and his uncle Borin returned to Erebor with the Arkenstone. And in that same year, Thror's younger brother, Gror, led others to the Iron Hills and founded it as an independent dwarven kingdom. Yeah, up until now, the Iron Hills was sort of like a settlement. And now it is its own official own, kingdom. Yeah, it's official kingdom. And it's the only dwarf kingdom never to be abandoned or taken by yeah. the enemy. From here on out, it is the, yeah, the only dwarf kingdom in, in Tolkien's legendarium. The the dwarves of the Iron Hills and the dwarves of Erebor managed to prosper for the following couple of centuries until, wouldn't you know it, the coming of Smog the Golden in the year 2770 of the Third Age. One more of those dragons from up north. Hearing the wealth of Erebor, Smog flew south from the north like a wind, like like a wind described as a hurricane, and sacked both Dale and Erebor. Smog, Smog dwelt in the Lonely Mountain until the quest for Erebor, which is the, the events of The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. And the main body of the dwarves became uh, their wanderers, nomads from that point on. And so that leads us to another confrontation. The War of the Dwarves and Orcs. Another super metal war. So now that uh, most of Durin's folk have been put to wandering, they're homeless... Um, in the year 2790, Thror, who had been king of the Lonely Mountain, attempted to reclaim Moria. I mean, they wanted a kingdom. Yeah, they wanted something to call their own. But uh, unfortunately, Thror was slain by orcs when he went to go check it out, and his body was mutilated by Azog the Defiler. Azog the Defiler is a real character. Like when they pulled him and From, put him in the Hobbit movie, Yeah, he's not supposed to be there, but he was a real character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about that uh, at length in, uh, what was it, episode two? One or two? One of the two. One of the two, yeah. If you go back, yeah, our, basically our pilot episodes where yeah. we just totally bitched about The Hobbit for like <laughs> hours. That was the whole reason we started this podcast, was to be able to bitch about The Hobbit for a few hours. So the death of Thror in Moria. So when Thror went to go check out Moria, he went by, not by himself, but only with one other dwarf. It was him and a dwarf called, was it Nar, N-A-R. And uh, basically, Nar was like, you shouldn't go in. And he's like, I'm going to go in and check it out. And he goes in and he disappears until basically his dead body gets thrown out. We have a, a, an excerpt about what happened, the confrontation at the east entrance there. Then Nar came up and found that it was indeed the body of Thror, but the head was severed and lay face downwards. As he knelt there, he heard orc laughter in the shadows, and a voice said, if beggars will not wait at the door, but sneaking in to try thieving, that is what we will do to them. But if his family wish to know who is king here, the name is written on his face. I wrote it. I killed him. And I am master. Then Nar turned the head and saw 
branded on the brow in dwarf ruins, so that he could read it, the name Azog. Weeping, Nar fell down the silver, fled down the silver load, but he looked back and once saw that the orcs had come from the gate and were hacking up the body and flinging the pieces to the black crows. That was the beginning of the war of the dwarves and the orcs. Da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da. little excerpt from a, the Appendix A. Yeah, dude, you guys, check out that Appendix A of the dwarves. Yeah, yeah. the Durin's folk, it's pretty cool. There's also a pretty extensive uh, section on the dwarves in uh, Peoples and Places of Middle-Earth. Uh, that's a uh, series of Middle-Earth, or History of Middle-Earth, Volume 12. I'm not actually sure which one's the Peoples. I think it's 12. But yeah, check that out, too. So after that confrontation from the year 2790 to 2793... The Longbeards gathered an army, calling on all other six houses of the dwarves for war. So the Longbeards got in contact with literally all of the other dwarf clans in Arda and got them to more or less ally together to go to war with the orcs. This is when the orcs get to, uh, the dwarves get together to form the dwarf Megazord. (laughs) This is where they all connect together to form one giant dwarf. I I didn't I don't know exactly how many dwarves were involved in this, but apparently it was just crazy. Well, yeah, it's all of them. So starting in the year twenty seven ninety three, uh, the dwarven host departed for war, and little is actually known about this six year long war. But it was known that most of Thor was fought in great mines and tunnels in the Misty Mountains. So it was all subterranean warfare, which the dwarves excelled at. They were really good at subterranean combat. God, that would have been miserable. Yeah, no kidding. Fighting in the dark tunnels down there for years? Yeah, for six years. They fought through the Misty Mountains, just through the tunnels, starting from like the north going south. And the dwarves, they successfully assailed and sacked every orc hold that they could find, from Gundabad in the north to the Gladden in the south. That's a huge swatch of... Yeah. They, they rid the fucking Misty Mountains of orcs. Yeah, the entire span of the Misty Mountains. They successfully, basically eradicate the orc presence there. The war came to a climax in uh, 2799 when the final battle, called the Battle of Azanolbazar, uh, was fought in the Dale there, right below the East Gate of Moria. This was a notoriously bloody battle. They show this in the Hobbit movie for a little bit. Yeah, this was one of the things about the Hobbit movie that we didn't really have much of a problem with. No, I thought it was a cool action scene. It was a, a scene where the uh, the high frame rate really shined. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see some dwarven, some dwarven battle, which was cool. Mm-hmm. The dwarves finally gained victory at this battle when reinforcements arrived from the Iron Hills. And Azog was slain by Dane Ironfoot. Yeah, there was a really epic moment in the battle... When I think it was who was killed in the which king was killed in that battle was it a Thror? I think it was Thror. So at in the in the battle of the Dimril Dale there, uh, one of the kings is killed. I believe it's Thror. I'd have to double check. And Azog turns around and holds his head up in the air, and uh, he's like laughing. And then he realizes that it's pissed off all the dwarves to the point where all the dwarves are just slaying. They're just killing like motherfuckers and especially now with the reinforcements from the iron hills they're just destroying and like his laugh they said it's a route yeah yeah they said his laugh like was caught in his throat Mm -hmm. and then he turned to run back towards (laughs) the gate he's like oh and dane had a super badass moment that's like super renowned where he did this crazy leap and he like leaped over a bunch of people that were fighting and cut off azog's head just boom the six million dollar man thing yeah 
as he's just jumping. <sighs> like I, I gained so much respect for Dane Ironfoot. He was super young at this time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a boy. So it was, uh, it was super impressive. Yeah, and they totally fucked up Dane in the movie. So after the battle of uh, the Dimril Dale, there, the battle of Azanol Bazaar, the uh, who is now king Thrain because, like we said, the other king died in the battle. He wanted to enter the city right away to go reclaim Moria. Because all the orc, uh, the orc troops that had lived, the, you know, everyone retreated back into Moria. But the other dwarf houses, they refused. Yeah, they said that uh, the city was not their father's house, that they had honored Thror's memory by fighting, and that was enough. Yeah, the as far as they figured, the Moria was basically a home for the Longbeards. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, any an of their all dwarves thing. Yeah, it was Longbeards thing. Yeah, so they figured they they didn't really have to go reclaim Casadum because it wasn't theirs to begin with. Mm-hmm. And Dane Ironfoot at this time was also warned that Durin's Bane still dwelt within Casadum, so there's a Belrog still in there. Yeah, that's where we got that little opening passage um, from this episode. That was Dane's warning to Thrain that. We shouldn't go back in there because there's still Durin's Bane in there. He yeah. apparently, uh, apparently, Dane Ironfoot had like a vision of Durin's Bane through the door there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I remember. I remember reading mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that was really cool. By the dwar- by the war's end, uh, the orcs had suffered suffered irreparable damage to their numbers. Ten thousand orcs were killed in the Dimmerald Dale alone, and uh, at least that many were killed through the previous six years of war. Yeah, that's. They just wiped out the orc presence in the mountains there. It was just, they couldn't come back from it. It was a slaughter. Yeah. As a result of the losses, the orcs of the Misty Mountains, yeah, they, they, were, they virtually disappeared. And the threat to Eriador and the Wilderland was greatly decreased. Yeah. And that kind of, that's pretty much everything that happened with the dwarves in the Second Age. They had their own pretty big confrontations with the orcs and the dragons. Mm-hmm. And they did have a presence in the... Last Alliance, but it wasn't... It who wasn't, knows? Yeah, but yeah, there, who, there's yeah. like no information about it. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the uh, the things that happen at the end of the Third Age. So the, the end of Lord of the Rings, right? Is what we're looking at? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, we've been talking about the Third Age this whole time, not the Second Age. My yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes, the Second Age. Yeah, we were talking about the Third Age. So now we're talking about the, the tail end of the Third Age. Yeah. So after that whole battle with the orcs, the war of the dwarves and the orcs, for a time the... The exiled kingdom of dwarves, Durin's folk. They went and founded a kingdom in the uh, northern Blue Mountains. But uh, Thrain the second was driven to wandering by the wilderness, into the wilderness by his ring, and the last of the dwarven rings uh, w- that was y- not yet taken by Sauron or consumed by dragons. Yeah. So the a, a bit about the the dwarves and the dwarven rings of power. Um, like we had mentioned previously in the creation of the dwarves, they were made particularly resilient to domination and such. So when they received the rings of power, the seven uh, dwarven rings of power, it had almost no effect on any of them whatsoever. The worst that, that, that it said that it could have affected them is it may have increased their lust for gold. And then also in this instance, they believe that since Sauron was coming back again at this point in the third age that the the power of those rings was increased a little bit and that's what drove Thrain to get kind of unrested and start wandering around mm-hmm. but that's when uh, Thrain was soon captured by Sauron who was actually reigning was, as the necromancer yeah that's when he was doing his necromancer thing mm-hmm. up in Dol Guldur in southern Mirkwood and that's where he took Thrain who was tortured in Dol Guldur until the ring of power was taken from him and he eventually died pretty miserably it sounds like yeah, and he was met uh, by Gandalf 
Uh, yeah. Be- right before he died. Yeah, that's when Gandalf found him in the pits there and got the ring and the map. Yeah. Gave him the or ring, not the uh, ring, I'm the, the key and the map. The key and the map, yeah. <laughs> the ring was long gone. So this brings us up to uh, the quest for Erebor. And that was in uh, that starts off in uh, 2941. And the result of which is Smog being killed by Bard the Bowman. The uh, Battle of the Five Armies ensues uh, shortly after that. Yeah, and that's where we we see uh, the current ruler of the line of Durin Thorin is killed in the Battle of Five Armies. And that's when Dane Ironfoot of uh, the Iron Hills actually becomes the ruler of Durin's folk and king under the mountain. Yay, we like Dane. Yeah, Dane's kind of the shit. I, I love Dane. He's probably one of my favorite dwarvish characters. The dwarves didn't have a super prominent uh, presence during the War of the Ring, but uh, other than the fact that Gimli was uh, joined the Fellowship of the Ring, which is, you know, it's not saying, it's not nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, also a little battle called the Battle of Dale, which we're about to talk to talk about, that nobody ever, nobody knows about this battle. Yeah, this is kind of one of the lesser known battles that happens throughout, you know, the history of Middle-earth, the Battle of Dale. Some people may be thinking of, oh, yeah, that's when, you know, Smog went and, and sacked Dale. No, this is no, a battle. No, 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 sir. This is a different battle indeed. Yeah, this is not the battle of with Smog. This isn't the Battle of Five Armies. This is something that happened during the War of the Ring. So on March 17th of the year 3019, so this is like balls deep into the Lord of the Rings timeline, you know, with the the fellowship quest and whatnot. And this is right around the same time as uh, Minas Tirith and Pelennor Fields, correct? Yes, this is right around the time of Pelennor Fields. Um, so during that time, Sauron sent a host of Easterlings to attack Dale. Fucking Easterlings. Yeah, I think they were they were originally meant to basically fight their way through there and kind of attack the the northern portion of the free of the free peoples. Mm-hmm. And eventually meet up at Pelennor Fields and finish everything and just off. Just finish everything off. Uh, after three days of heavy close quarters fighting, the combined forces of the men of Dale under King Brand and the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain under King Dane Ironfoot were forced to retreat to the Lonely Mountain. And this is when the unfortunate death of King Dane comes about. Uh, King Dane Ironfoot was killed as he stood defending the body of his ally, King Brand. Because the Battle of Dale was very bloody. They lost both their kings. Yeah, man. Like this was it was a big deal. The the king of the of uh of Dale and the king of um Erebor slash Iron Hills is killed. It's a big it's a big moment and it's not really talked about. The fact that this battle was won really helped not to screw over the Battle of Minas Tirith. Yeah, it actually had a really big effect ultimately. Ultimately the battle ended on March twenty seventh when the uh, the new leaders, Bard the Second and Thorin the Third, Stonehelm managed to lift the siege and drove the Easterlings out of Dale. The The battle was super important for the future of Middle-earth because though it may not have ultimately changed the outcome of the overall War of the Ring, it did divert a very large portion of Sauron's strength from some of the northern strongholds of the free people like Lorien and, and Rivendell and Mirkwood. They were left more or less untouched from the War of the Ring, which is great. And Dale was rebuilt following the Siege of the Lonely Mountain, and Thorin III and Bard II sent their ambassadors to King Elisar's coronation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little... Uh, everyone getting together. Yeah, everyone getting together to see the new king. It's exciting. Uh, for more on that, see uh, the Aragorn character profile. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was uh, one of the... Uh, it's a few episodes back now. Yeah. So that's more or less the end of the Third Age, and uh, there isn't a hell of a lot of information about dwarves in the Fourth Age, because... Fourth Age stuff is kind of... 
It's yeah, it's here or there. It's here or there. I'm not really sure what is canon and what isn't. There is a decent amount of information there, but not a hell of a lot. So at the start of the fourth age, Gimli is actually said to have led a group of colonists from the Lonely Mountain to the glittering caves beneath the Hornburg in Rohan. And uh, that's where he actually establishes another dwarven kingdom where he ruled there for more than a century. Yeah, he was always talking about how much he loved those caves. Yeah, when they went in, uh, when they went to to help with the whole battle at Helm's Deep, and they checked out the caves. He was so in love with the caves because they're what some of he said some of the most beautiful natural caves mm-hmm. that he had ever seen. And he's a dwarf, so that really means a lot. It means a lot, yeah. Yeah, like when uh, the war was done, he made he made Legolas promise him. To go, yeah, to go visit the, the They would caves, go back yeah. and visit, and in return, he would go with Legolas to go visit Fingorn again, because yeah. Legolas really loved Fingorn. Yeah. They were best buds. Yeah, it's a cool relationship. It's awesome. We'll talk about that in here in a little second. Here. Yeah, actually. So, at this point in the Fourth Age, it's said that the dwarf, the dwarf population began to dwindle because most male dwarves didn't desire wives, and those who could, or those who did, couldn't find one. They were very few and far between, the dwarf women. They're like less than a third of the population, like we had said. Yeah, rough, right? <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the dwarf women also chose not to marry because, you know. Yeah, how do you make more dwarves? Yeah. yeah, they're independent people, too. They don't have to marry if they don't want to. And, yeah, what are you going to do at that point? So I guess the dwarf population kind of dwindled off. So ultimately, there's still a lot left of mystery in dwarvish history because it's not as fleshed out as it otherwise could be, especially compared to Tolkien's other stuff. And uh, ultimately, the true fate of the Khazad is still unknown after they die. Yeah. Where do they knows. go? They obviously don't go to Valinor. No. Uh, the However, the dwarves, they believe when they die that there's uh, those halls that Aule, yeah, that Aule built for them. Yeah. They believe that there's halls that Aule built for them that they'll yeah. go to. But that's not that's not officially stated that Yeah, that's we don't true. know if they're right or not. Right. <laughs> so ultimately, we don't really know the fate of Ex- the Khazad. Except for one dwarf, Gimli, son of Gloin. That's right. We know Gimli's fate. After the death of Aragorn in the year 4th Age 120, Gimli actually sailed to the Undying Lands with Legolas, the only dwarf to ever do so. The only dwarf to do that. Yeah. And uh, we'll kind of finish things off with with a nice little excerpt from the Appendix A about Gimli leaving for the Undying Lands. Here follows one of the last notes in the Red Book. We have heard tell that Legolas took Gimli, Gloin's son, because of their great friendship, greater than any that has been between elf and dwarf. If this is true, then it is strange indeed that a dwarf should be willing to leave Middle-earth for any love, or that the Eldar should receive him, or that the lords of the West should permit it. But it is said that Gimli went also out of desire to see again the beauty of Galadriel, and it may be that she, being mighty among the Eldar, obtained this grace for him. More cannot be said of this matter. Yeah. So that's pretty much it, guys. That's uh, our version of the dwarves. Yeah, that's all we got for you today. Yeah, and uh, this brings us up to special episode uh, number 30. This is, uh, sadly, the end of season two. Yeah, another season has come and gone so another much, so on. quickly. And I, you know, I'm kind of welcoming it. We, were, we really busted our ass on this season, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, but, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been... Uh, it's been some work for us, but it's been it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been fun, and I think I, I we're getting better, and uh, I think it's only going to get better from here. 
So thanks for sticking with us. I know, uh, you know, some of the early seasons, you know, it's a little, it's a little rough. It's it a little rough. We didn't, you know, super know what we were doing, but now we're kind of uh, <laughs> learning how to do that. So yeah. thanks, thanks for sticking around with us, guys. Yeah, we thanks really for going it. on this this journey with us, basically. Yeah. And we'll be back relatively soon. Don't fret not. Fret not. Um, oh no, we'll definitely sh- be back. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be too long. I mean, me and Joel are probably going to end up recording episodes anyway. Yeah, and just waiting, waiting to release. Yeah, them. I mean, while you're waiting for more stuff to come out, talk to us. Yeah, you know? talk to us on on social media. Uh, go back, listen to you know previous episodes. We'll still probably be throwing out updates on social media, maybe some videos and things. So come check us out, and talk to us. Yeah, and we got some cool things coming up in the future. We got some uh, some video projects we're going to be doing with our friend Thomas Bailey, which uh, might be coming out in between these two seasons. Here, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll be back, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Thanks again for for you know keeping on Tolkien with us for keeping on Tolkien for with two us. seasons for two whole seasons guys we love you guys yeah we love you so much thanks for listening but that's that's all we got for today yeah, yeah should we yeah do we should we thank some people should we thank some people yeah let's throw out some thanks let's throw out some thanks so thanks to everybody everybody who talks to us on the Facebook and Twitter pages we we appreciate it all it's it's fun I have some like some budding friendships with you guys now yeah which is cool. Um, yeah, thanks to our editor, who I think he remains unnamed. Well, we have a name for him. But we do have a name for him, Ruatan Linesse, which means the man with many names. Um, but he, he really helped us out this season. Uh, uh, we had a little switch between season one and two with our with our editing situation, and uh, he really bailed our asses out. And uh, Yeah, he pulled through. It was great. Yeah, and he's he's been really great. So he's if a you, great part of the team. Yeah, if you think the podcast is sounding good, it is uh, because of that man there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and then thank I guess every our friends and family for putting up with us and yeah, some of the guests that yeah. we had on on the season two. Yeah, thank yeah, you. We, got, we got Megan and um uh, and Claire mm-hmm. that came on a couple episodes ago. They were great. We'll probably have them on again. It was really fun talking to them. So thanks, yeah, thanks to Tolkien, and also <laughs> guys. Yeah, the, well, I suppose we should probably throw out a thanks to the man himself. Yeah. Big up to J.R.R. Tolkien. And his son Christopher. If it wasn't Christopher. for Christopher, we wouldn't have uh, been able to get a lot of this content. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be... T- uh, guys, oh, they just announced the new book. We're the not Fall gonna, of Gondolin? Yeah, we're not going to talk about it right now, but we're, we're pretty giddy because they just excited. We, we're we're oh. going gonna to address that in the future. Yeah, we might we might address it during this this year off-season, so, so stay tuned. Yeah. Keep up to date with us. But yeah, that's pretty much all for us, guys. Thanks uh, so much for listening again. Thanks again. We love you. This is the end of season two. We love you guys. Uh, Yeah. I'm Danny J. This is Jolyn. As always, guys, keep keep on on talking. Aure and Tuluva.